Hey everyone, it's Susan Pierce Thompson and welcome to the weekly vlog. So on a Bright Lifers coaching call last weekend, um, something happened that was everyone's takeaway at the end of the call. Like everyone had the same aha moment. It was sort of a collective Bright Line Eating, Bright Lifers aha moment. And I wanted to share it with you. I've already shared this in the Reboot Resume course. And of course the Bright Lifers have it, you know, forever archived on a, a call recording. Um, but I know that there's a whole universe of people who watch the weekly vlog um, who aren't in either of those programs, neither Bright Lifers nor Reboot Resume. So uh, I wanted to get this out to you as quickly as possible as well. I think it's a really exciting reframe. Uh, and it's so funny that I've been thinking about this food journey and Bright Line Eating and talking about it and teaching people about it for so long. And I, I can't believe this just occurred to me now. <laughs> but there you go, live and learn. So the question was from a woman who's doing well in her Bright Line Eating journey, like living happy, thin and free. And she's going to Tokyo with her husband um, very soon. And she's already got her food planned out. Like it's not that she needed help with the food piece. She needed help with the mental piece, that feeling that she was gonna be missing out because her husband's like a one on the scale and is a total foodie. It's funny how those two things actually can go together. And was really looking forward to trying the culinary delicacies of, um, of Japan. And then her friends who know she's going to Japan kept emailing her and saying, oh, you gotta try this or you gotta try that. And it's all food stuff, right? And um, she was like, Susan, how can I go and feel like I'm not missing out? And it, it put me into a place of reflection about that, that I guess I'd never really been in before. And in particular, it made me drop into the reality that when you're aligned in your Bright Line Eating journey, you're not missing out. Like you're really, really not. And um, how can that be? How can it be that you're not actually missing out? And here's the reframe. In order to share it with you, I need to share some science. So in grad school, um, my PhD is in brain and cognitive sciences, if you don't know. So um, for that, I took a lot of cognitive psychology courses where we studied memory and attention and focus and, um, you know, some interesting findings that we covered were uh, on phenomena known as change blindness and inattentional blindness, which are similar, but not exactly the same. This is research from the late 90s and early 2000s. Um, uh, one of the lead researchers was Daniel Simons. For five years, he was at Harvard University. I think he's at the University of Illinois now. And um, some uh, Daniel Levin, who um, I think was at the University of Rochester. It's ironic, I went there and I don't know that for sure. But um, there were several researchers at the University of Rochester who did some seminal work in this. And here's what they found. The original experiment showed a brief, I mean like two minute conversation of two women sitting at a table having a conversation and it was brief. And in that video, they cut back and forth between the two women as a camera will often do as two people are talking, right? And all kinds of things changed. Like in those two minutes, there were nine changes, meaning like 
One woman was wearing a big scarf, and then she wasn't. The plates were red, and then they were white. All the food was on her plate, and then in the next shot, all the food was on her plate. Um, the cups were there, then the cups were not there. The silverware was there, and then it was not there. And, you know, a woman was like, her arms were up, and then her arms were down, and they were like moving all over the place. Anyway, um, on average, people who were shown this video and just said, you know, this is a test of your perceptual system or whatever, uh, noticed zero of the changes. Not one of them. Researchers were like, okay, that's weird. We expected them to notice at least something. So then they told people, watch it again. And now we're telling you we've changed a bunch of things. Like we've, there are errors in this movie, right? Stuff is missing or changed. See if you can notice the changes. And with that tip, on average, people noticed two of the nine changes. And the researchers were like, that's really crazy. Like, are we hardly absorbing anything that's going on around us? So this prompted uh, an aspiring researcher to create a movie of um, a circle of people passing a basketball. Um, and some of the people were wearing white shirts, some of them were wearing black shirts, and there were actually two basketballs being passed. The white shirt people were passing the basketball to the other white shirt people, and black shirt people were passing another basketball to black shirt people. Fair enough, sounds complicated. The task was count the passes among people in the white shirts. Watch the white shirts and count how many times they pass the basketball to each other. Very simple task. In the midst of doing this, this video rolls and <laughs> A man dressed in a gorilla suit, literally, full man dressed in a gorilla suit, walks into the middle of the circle where these basketballs are being passed, beats his chest, blah, 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 and then walks off, and people don't notice. Like, seriously, don't notice the gorilla. Crazy. So these papers got published and then the scientific community was kind of skeptical. They were like, okay, well, those are videos. Surely people notice stuff that's actually happening in their actual environment in real life, right? We're not that clueless in real life. So researchers at the University of Rochester created this experiment where um, a visitor on campus holding a map of the campus would walk up to someone like a faculty student or a staff member or something and say, do you know how to get to Rush Rees Library? And like hold up the map, right? And the person, let's say it's a faculty member, the faculty member would explain, oh yeah, here's Rush Rees Library, we're here, so you're gonna go. Da -da. And in the middle of that explanation, <laughs> two people supposedly doing construction work or something, I don't know, carrying a door, like a door. Two people, one holding the front of the door, one the back of the door, would would carry the door along the path and break up the conversation of the two people. And one person carrying the door would grab the map and swap places with the, the clueless visitor and stand there now to hear the rest of the explanation about how to get to Rushree's library. And the faculty member or the student or whoever it had been, the unsuspecting person who was giving those directions on campus, didn't notice that it was now a different human being that they were talking to. Different human being, different height, different color shirt, different amount of facial hair, like different person. And you're like, really? You don't notice that you're now talking to a different person?
didn't notice. This is where like that saying, um, uh, fact is stranger than fiction. Yeah, fact is stranger than fiction. So um, this was the beginning of this body of research about how little we're actually taking in from our surroundings. And it turns out to be true at every level of the perceptual system and the memory system. We're taking in very little of the actual environment in terms of the, the visual system, the pure bits and bobs. We're paying attention to even less and we're registering even less than that and we're remembering even less than that. We are, I mean, I don't know, uh, if it's fair to put percentages on this, but it's a ridiculously small amount. Like all kinds of stuff is going on around you and you're probably registering maybe 2% of it, right? Like just, you're not registering that much. We register far disproportionately what we care about, what we're focused on and what we're paying attention to. Like what matters to us. Even that stuff we're not taking in very faithfully, as evidenced by the researchers asked people in that initial conversation between the two women, like, we're changing stuff in this picture, in this, in this little video. Notice, <laughs> count the changes. And people were focused on that and they still couldn't do it. They could come up with two of the nine. So you couldn't find that on YouTube, by the way. Um, yeah. Uh, perceptual, change blindness, Dan Simon, Daniel Simons. Um, yeah, just Google something like that. It's like a, it's a pretty dated, it's 1997 video of two women talking. You'll find it. Anyway, so back to the woman who's like, Susan, how do I go to Tokyo with my husband and not feel like I'm missing out? And I'm like, you're not missing out. You're really not. What you're doing is uh, you're visiting Tokyo and I promise, I guarantee, you're taking in a tiny fraction of what's there. Guarantee. You're going somewhere amazing and there's all kinds of art and architecture and culture and museums and spas and shopping opportunities and culinary opportunities and, um, you know, botanical gardens and um, there's all kinds of stuff, right? human interactions happening and all kinds of stuff. You are gonna come home with having experienced a tiny fraction of that. So what you're doing is you're shifting your experience from bucket A to bucket B, right? Less of that, which leaves room for more of that. That's all you're doing. You're not missing out on anything. I mean, you're missing out on almost everything by definition, just by being a human being with the kind of brain you have. Um, but in terms of thinking that there's some experience that you're missing out on, no, no, you're just gonna experience less of that stuff and that will make room for more of that stuff. You're going to be experiencing more of the human interactions. You're gonna be paying attention to the people around you more and differently. There might be certain experiences that your husband chooses to have and he understands. I talked to her, she said her husband is very supportive. So he might understand if he goes to, I don't know, whatever, visit a place that makes Japanese beer or something. She might choose to, you know, see a museum or something during that time. And she might have that experience. Well, he has that experience. Okay, he's gonna drink some beer. You're gonna see some ancient Japanese art. You're just shifting 
the experiences from bucket A to bucket B, right? Um, either way, you can't take in that much of it. And what I was reminded of is the truism for me. I have a lot of years of doing this, both on plan and off plan, years before bright line eating, years during bright line eating, years doing bright line eating smoothly and successfully, years stutter stepping with my bright line eating, all that experience. When I reflect what feels true to me is when I try to partake of the food, I focus a lot on the food, a lot. And when my lines are smooth and I've planned my food ahead of time and I'm not partaking of the food in that way, when I travel, um, I feel like I look up a lot more. I notice a lot more and I experience a lot more. And that's probably because I'm a 10 on the susceptibility scale. So when I'm in the food, my perceptual system narrows really intensely and I'm obsessed with what I'm eating or not eating, how much of it, whether people are noticing, how I can get more. Um, pretty quickly, I have to start thinking about when and how I'm going to get back on track because it's painful. You know, um, it's, not, it's not a fun way to be. All of my best trips have been with my food in order. Um, so it's an interesting thing, you know, to think we're not missing out. We're not. Um, we're choosing to shift the emphasis. And we talk about that a lot in the holiday season, right? We talk about how we make it about the people and about the connections. And um, I don't know if you want to comment below if you've had Brightline holidays or travel experiences. Um, I'd love to hear your experience. What I've experienced is my saboteur wants me to think that if I partake of the extra special travel food, it will heighten my experience. And what I actually find is it makes my experience um, off and painful. And when I'm hitting my head on the pillow at night in the hotel room, I don't feel good at all. I feel lost and um, often quite desperate, hopeless, negative, just not good. And when I resist the food and keep it in its place and resist in particular that voice that tries to seduce me into thinking that I'm missing out. And I say, no, I'm not missing out. I'm not missing out. I'm going to focus on these other things instead. I put my head on the pillow in that hotel room um, feeling elated and blissful and grateful and proud and aligned and excited about the next day and all the things that I'm going to experience because I'm not missing out. I'm experiencing tons. So that's the weekly vlog and I'll see you next week.